the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. It is recorded in the book of John that Jesus once said, If he is lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension are all linked to this glorious exaltation, and it is a call made to the entire world. No class, social status, race, or gender is excluded from this declaration. That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. Now, today's the last message of our eight-week series called Anchored. It's an acrostic, and we've looked at seven things that happen to you if you anchor yourself to the Word of God. And today is the last uh, message of that series, and it's the letter D. I want to speak to you today on if you anchor yourself to the Word of God, it is how you develop and grow as a believer. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. Verse 10, Philippians 3.10. Paul writes, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to obtain to the resurrection from the dead. But he says in verse 12, it's not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. He says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Verse 14, I press on, there's that word again, toward the goal. What's the goal? To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And that phrase, strain towards, It's the only place it's used in the entire New Testament. And it's a word that means to reach out or to stretch towards. And in a race, if you've ever watched a race, it's that moment when the runners are running down and there's three or four and they're all about tied and they get right to the tape and you see and they all stretch ahead to see which one can win. And that's what the Apostle Paul says here that he does in order for him to, to win this race. Paul said this to Timothy in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. He said, do your best. I want you to say those three words. Do your best. Do your best. Now, I, would, I know that in, Christ, in, in, the, in the Christian realm, being a, there's a lot of stuff about theology and doctrine, and you've got to think through the Scriptures and have a pretty good handle on theology. I get that. But doing your best has nothing to do with theology. Doing your best, Paul is saying, you can't give a half-hearted effort. And he says, do your best to present yourself to who? To God. 
It takes a committed effort. Number two, write this down. It takes a collective effort. A collective effort. I don't think, no, I, I believe this. I don't think God, once you become a Christian, that he puts you on an island and he expects you to just live there all by yourself and to figure everything out by yourself. There's a collective team. We start with a collective team. Write that down. I want to show you a team. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul is talking about the church at Corinth, and they're having some problems. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Brothers, he says, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. He's saying, you guys are a bunch of babies. I, I gave you milk, because that's what babies drink. I couldn't give you solid food for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready for it. Verse 3, you are still worldly. They're Christians, but they're, they've never grown. They're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and one says, I follow Apollos, are you not acting like babies, like mere men? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? But he does say this, they're only servants through whom you came to believe. So God used two different people for them to be saved. But it says in verse 6, he says, I was the one who actually planted the seed. Apollos came along and watered it, but who made it grow? God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Now, there are, I believe that God uses many people to pour into your life. In this case, he used Paul, he used Apollos, and then God himself. So you have a collective team. Number two, write this down. You have a collective template. It's, it's not just God uses a, a, a group of people, but I think there's, a, I think there's different methods. There's, there's not a single template for growing in Christ. There are many ways to, to grow in Christ. In fact, the church in the Bible uh, that's how the church initially got started, was just people meeting in people's homes, which is a good thing, but it just grew and grew and grew and grew, and eventually you have to start knocking down walls and build a bigger house, okay? And that's where the corporate thing all, all came from. So those are two different ways, large setting, small setting. Another one would be uh, where you don't, it's not the corporate worship, it's not the small group, it's just you and your Bible, sit in your closet, shut the door, turn the light on, get a chair in there, Tune everything out, and it's just you and God, and get your journal out and listen to God, and God, you will begin to grow. It's just, 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 that's another way to do it. And then we have this thing called technology. The Apostle Paul didn't have technology back in those days. We got this little thing called the internet. I don't know if you've heard of it, but you got the internet, and this thing's called podcast, and you can purchase CDs and DVDs and plug that stuff in and watch it. There's all different kinds of ways that God has. For you to grow it's a collect it's a collective template but i do want you to know it all starts with just with this book it's it's got to be focused on this book this book right here this book the bible the holy bible it's got to be here okay they did a poll a survey of people who go to church they asked this question do you desire to please god in everything that you do and 90 percent said yeah but then they said well how many of you read your bible every single day and it was like 19% of the people. Well, you're, you're not going to please God. You, you don't even know what God wants if you're not studying and reading the Word of God. What did Jesus say in Matthew 4, 4? Look at these words. 
Jesus said, it is written that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, if you say, I'm not going to drink liquids, you're going to be dead in two weeks. You cannot live without water. You can only live without water for two weeks. The strongest, toughest guy in this room would be dead in two weeks if he didn't drink liquids. You can go two months without food. You're sitting out here going, I'm not going to eat food. I'm, I'm sick. I don't have time to go to the store. I don't like to fix the food. And so I've decided I'm not going to eat food. All right, in two months you'll be dead. And likewise, you're not going to live very long if you don't have a diet of the Word of God. Man does not live just on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the number three, a task. Write that down. The word task. There's a collective task. We, we got this, we're all involved in this, all right? Everybody's involved in this. I, I want you to turn to the last verse of Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 28. And we look at this all the time. We looked at it last week. I could look at it every day. Oh, you couldn't look at this every day. Oh, yes, I could. I think about this every day. I don't go one day without thinking about this, about this right here. This is, at, this is after Jesus has died. He's, this is after the passion play, okay? He dies, he buries, he's, he resurrects. And he's on earth for about 40 days. And right before he ascends, he gathers his disciples and he says, Matthew 28, verse 19, he says, go. Everybody say go. Go, go and make, does it say converts or disciples? What does it say? What does your Bible say? Does it say what does it say? Am I supposed to make converts or make disciples? Make disciples. I'm supposed to go and help people become followers of Christ. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who's following Christ. And whose job is that? That's all of our Is it just that section over there? It's your, you, all, you all do that and the rest of us, we're just going to watch you do it. No. It's all of our, it's a collective task. Go and make disciples of, of, of who? Uh-oh, there goes all your racial prejudices that you have. You can't, you can't be a disciple of Jesus and have racial prejudices. Because you're supposed to look at every person of every color and say, I, I need to teach this guy about Jesus. But how are you going to do that if you have hatred in your heart towards somebody? You can't. So there, there goes all the racial prejudices. I go and make disciples of all nations. And then after I do that, what am I supposed to do? Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you're talking to someone, you're supposed to be, all of us, collectively, we're supposed to be leading people to Jesus Christ, and after you lead them to Jesus Christ, you're supposed to baptize them. And uh, if you're t- the person you're talking to does not want to be baptized, then they're not following Christ. You haven't done a good enough job teaching them. You've got to do a better job of teaching, because the Bible says to make a disciple and to baptize them. And they say, I don't want to be baptized. Well, then I need to disciple you some more then. Let, let's, let's read the Scriptures. And then after you baptize them, after you dunk them, is that it? No, because he says in verse 20, teach them. Teach them what? Teach them to obey everything I've ever commanded you. So you don't just dunk them and say, we'll see you later. And that's what we do in the church. We baptize people and we all go home. We clap, okay, we'll see you later. No. Once they get baptized, then we are, and I believe collectively we do this. I think that's our job. In the corporate setting, in the life group setting, in the ministry setting, the one-on-one setting, we're supposed to be discipling 
and teaching about Christ, make sure these folks get baptized, and then when they get out of the water, we continue to teach them. And the very end of that, in verse 20 says, and surely I am with you always. Who, who, who's with us? He's with us. It's a collective effort. It's you, me, and the Holy Spirit of God. Collectively, we have this, this task of leading people to Jesus Christ. Can someone say amen? I want you to go to John 17 real quick. Go to John 17. I, I, I think I have time. I, I could do a whole sermon on this. Jesus says, verse 15, he says, my prayer. Everyone say my prayer. Now, now, this is the prayer of Jesus. Just think about that. This is his prayer. And who's he pray- who does Jesus pray to? Who does Jesus pray to? He's talking to God. Jesus is talking to God. And he says, God, my prayer. He prays several things. First thing he says is, Lord, don't, please don't take them out. In other words, leave them right where they are, God. You see, he's, he's getting ready to go back to heaven. He says, Lord, I'm going to live. God, please just leave them right where they are. You ever thought about the fact that you're in a job that maybe you don't like and you've always wanted to be somewhere else? You can't figure out, how come I can't find another job? Maybe it's because Jesus has been praying, keep them right where they are. You ever think about that? I can't find a job. Maybe because God wants you right there. He said, God, God, keep it right there. I, I, in other words, God, God needs you there. He's got you there for a reason. And then he says, second thing he says is, Lord, Lord, oh, protect them. That's number two, protect them. Isn't that great that Jesus is talking to God and praying, please protect them? That's a good thought. It's a really good thought. And then verse 17 He says, sanctify them. What does that mean? Well, that's God knocking off all the rough edges of you. It's cleaning your life up. That sin that you're engaged in, he's trying to get you unengaged in that sin. How's he going to do that? Sanctify them by the truth, and he says, your word is truth. Lord, get get the word in them. Now, how many of you, if I called you up, and I said, hey, this is Pastor Dudley, you go, Pastor Dudley? Yeah. Why are you calling me? I said, I just want to pray for you right now. You want to pray? For, yeah, I want to pray for you. How many of you would be blessed if you got a surprise phone call from me and I said, I'm praying for you? I pray for you all the time. I just can't call you. How many of you have ever prayed for? How many of you have ever prayed for me? Raise your hand. Now, if you're not raising your hand, shame on you. Because I'm, I'm praying for you. That should be a two-way street thing there going on. But imagine if I, if I called you, because this pastor I'm calling, that you'd be excited. But this is Jesus praying for you. And what's he praying? God, please keep them right where they are and, and, and protect them, God. Don't let anything bad happen to them. And sanctify them by your word, God. And then he prays one more thing. Here's what he prays. He's, pray, he's praying this for you. Look at verse 18. He says... Lord, as you have sent me, you, as you have sent me into this world, and I want to ask, how many of you are glad that God sent Jesus into the world? Oh, oh yeah. So watch. He, he said, Lord, just as you sent me, I am now sending them. And that's his prayer. 
And you know, when I see someone who needs to hear the gospel, and, I've, and I'm a little timid, I just think, I think, I think to myself, you know what? I really believe this. I think Jesus is actually praying for me that I would go. And it helps me to go knowing that he's the one praying for me to go. And that he's going to protect me, and he's sanctifying me, and he has me here for that reason and for that purpose. And all God's people said, it is a collective task. And my third point, we have a committed effort, a collective effort, and number three, this is a continuing effort. He says there in Philippians 1, is it that, that, he, that he's going to carry it on, that this process, that God's going to carry this on into completion until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, when you become a Christian, you cross over that line, you say, I'm going to serve Christ. You and, and myself, as we grow, that process never ends until Jesus Christ returns. John chapter 666, I'll show it to you on the screen. I never thought about this before, the number 666. Some people think that's the sign of the devil. I don't know if that's true or not. I've heard it. But John 666 says that from that day on, many of them did what? What did they do? They turned back. You know why they turned back? Because Jesus was saying some things. They didn't like it. And they, they said, hey, we're going to follow Jesus. And they love the miracles. And they love some of the teaching. But as soon as Jesus, you know, turned up the teaching, they all decided, you know what, I'm just going to go back. Which says to me, it's possible. It's possible for a person to say, hey, I want to follow Christ. And then one day to say, hey, you know what, I, I don't want to do that anymore. Do you know of anybody? Do you know of anybody who used to serve God and today's not serving God? They used to be here all over the... You know, I know where you sit. You always sit there and you sit there and you sit there. I know where you sit. I, I saw all kinds of people used to sit here. No longer, where, where'd they go? Where, where did they go? They reached a point where they said, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. And so all I want to say is it's possible for you to say, you know, I, I don't want to serve God anymore. If you want to be like the Apostle Paul and says, this is what I want, the only way I'm going to get to where God wants me to be, now understanding that God is at work and the Holy Spirit is at work, but he says, me, myself, and I've got to keep pressing on. I've got to keep pressing on. I've got to strain towards the prize. And I just want to encourage you today to never quit, to never give up, and to never, never stop desiring to become what God wants you to become. Write this down quickly. You got, there's a, there's a responsibility for you yourself to grow. No one can do it for you. You have to make those choices to become a mature believer. But not only do you have that responsibility for yourself, I do believe that there's a God-given responsibility for us to take that which we know and to share it with others and to help bring them along. Okay? My last verse I'll show you is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And Paul says to Timothy, the things that you've heard me say, Timothy, I, I want you to take those things and entrust them to reliable men. Find some guys that are trustworthy 
who will in turn teach who? Others. So there's a four-step progression from Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, the things you've heard me say, give it to reliable men who in turn will give it to others. And I, I want you to know that today, right now, it's not me talking to you. I know it looks like that and sounds like that. But I've had literally thousands of people who've poured into my life. From Bible college professors to Sunday school teachers to people uh, in, in, in life groups to the elders of this church to my family, my dad. My dad has spanked me probably a thousand times <laughs> when I was a kid. And every time he spanked me, I was learning something. How many of you know that's true? Oh, yeah, I learned not to do that again. And uh, every time I've read the Bible, you know how many sermons I've listened to from other preachers on CDs and DVDs and on television and radio? And so when I'm, when I'm talking, I've had like a thousand people who've poured into my life. And I'm up here sharing it with you. And I want you to take those notes and learn the Word of God, anchor yourself, and then it's your responsibility to make sure you're on, you're on, you're on track, but that you're also teaching someone else and passing it, passing it on down the line. Amen? Amen. My last story of this whole thing is a, about a lady who read some poems. And they were the most boring poems that she'd ever read. And she took the book of poems and she said, Psh, not reading that again. Until years later, one day, she met and fell in love with the man who wrote those poems. And she goes, you know what? I want to go read those poems again. Where do they go? And she read the poems and this time she loved them. What made the difference? She fell in love with the author. And many of you here today, some of you here today, this book is the most boring, most uninteresting book on the planet Earth. You'd rather watch paint dry than read the Bible. You know why you think this book is boring? It's because you don't know the author. You're not in love with the author. Just as Paul did in Philippians chapter 3, We need to press on and always have a desire to grow in our relationship with God. As a mature Christian, Paul never considered himself to have achieved perfection. He never rested and never stopped striving to improve his walk with Jesus Christ. He always pressed on to greater accomplishments. Spiritual growth is something for us to always strive for. We will never grow unless we choose to. And anchoring ourselves to God's Word is a great place to start. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. 
That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. We live in the most distracted culture in the history of the world. We see about 10,000 messages every day. We even touch our phones about 2,000 times a day. We're literally being overwhelmed with information. That's why there's no better time than right now for Dudley Rutherford's remarkable new book, One Thing, Rediscover a Simpler Faith in Our Complicated World. In this timely book, Pastor Dudley invites you to open your Bible and look closely at seven key passages of Scripture where you'll find the beautifully uncomplicated phrase, One Thing. These Scriptures will quiet all the noise that you're hearing and call you back to a simpler faith. Dudley Rutherford has discovered the secret of how to focus our lives on the one thing that matters. What if you could find that simplicity? It's waiting out there, and this is your roadmap to freedom. Contact Lift Up Jesus today and get your copy of One Thing, the book that could finally change everything. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.